Hi everyone, welcome to Tech Talk. Hi everyone, welcome to Tech Talk. <laughs> Don't cut this out. Don't cut it out. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, candid camera. Hi everyone, welcome to Tech Talk. What the hell is wrong with me? I'm sorry. This sounds like me trying to record one of my videos. <laughs> exactly. Same as me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's all good, Joyce. It's all good. Hi everyone, welcome to Type Talks. Today we have three INFJ male YouTubers and I'll have everyone introduce themselves. And so Jonathan, would you like to tell us a bit about you? My name is Jonathan, I'm an INFJ, that's why I'm here. Uh, I am. Um, I know a lot about the Enneagram, I know a lot about socionics, attitudinal psyche. I've been on the Ben Vaseline channel, I've been in Catherine Favre videos and panels, I've been on Joyce's channel once or twice and some other places i'm happy to be here happy to have you jonathan we're both yeah. classmates under the catherine favier enneagram school of thought oh father you're gonna kill me for mis mispronouncing yeah jonathan's a one so if i mispronounce something he's gonna be like ah. <laughs> i'm kidding oh yes <laughs> and so michael Hello, I'm Michael Pierce. Um, I have a YouTube channel like everybody else, so I am qualified to be here. <laughs> and everyone else on, on the thing. Um, yeah, and I, I talk about MBTI um, and Jungian typology. Um, I focus more on Jung. I also talk a lot about philosophy and some other topics. I wrote a book recently, which is a pretty good summation of my thoughts. You have it! Oh my wow. gosh! <laughs> I feel so famous. <laughs> yeah, that's the book that Joyce just held up. Um, yeah, it's Motes and Beams. And um, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Um, if you go to my channel and you go to like any of my videos, you can just go to the description and find links to it. So that's my plug for the book. But yeah. Yeah, um, I'll have everyone's links linked down below. Feel free to check out all of these wonderful channels and buy Michael's book because he is awesome. Endorsed by Joyce. <laughs> Yay. Yay. And Scott. Yeah. Hi, I'm Scott Morgan. I've got a YouTube channel as well and I'm a counselor and yeah, I make videos on personality type, mainly INFJs as it turned out um, and just general sort of personal growth and um, just information to help people heal and grow mm, yes yes you are both a counselor and an infj kiersey would be like wow you are yeah. critical in that sense yeah the complete cliche <laughs> <laughs> excellent and so hi my name is joyce and i'm a certified mbti master practitioner and i facilitate the instrument in organizations i also offer typing sessions and i coach people and I have a few books in the works as well. And so INFJ YouTuber people, awesome individuals. I am wondering how it is like to be a YouTuber. What are some of the struggles, some of the awesome things about it? What are some of the things you learned over time? You can start anywhere. Well, technically I'm not, I'm a half YouTuber. So... <laughs> I'm I'm actually kind of lucky because I get to get other people to do all the, all the <laughs> stuff, all the editing and so on. Whether I just like, ah, yeah, I just I just show up and talk. Uh, 
as I said, my very first video that I was ever in, I'm pretty sure it was a Michael Pierce video. It wasn't. It was like uh, he was being interviewed and there was a bunch of us on and I was just one of the people uh, there. And then that was that. That might have been on Type Tips or on Ben Vaseline on Ben Vaseline's channel because I may have seen both. Uh, but later on, I started watching some of Ben Vaseline's videos and he mentioned with his guest, he asked his guest if he knew anything about Enneagram. His guest said no. And I was watching it was live. I said, I know about Enneagram and I got invited on and then I got invited back and back and back and back. And uh, through that, I learned all about socionics and Model G and uh, eventually one day he invited Catherine Fulver on to interview her and short, soon after that she started uh, doing online courses so I started taking those and yeah, well actually the story was that uh, one day he told me that Jonathan, you've congratulations, you've been in 100 videos and I thought I have to take a break now right away <laughs> And he invited Catherine on in part to entice me back to a more full-time commitment. So, so yeah. Yeah. My story. You're basically hmm. a fixture on Ben's channel. Indirectly, now a part of his channel. <laughs> I have thought about starting my own channel. I'm not sure how this scent goes. I have heard people say that they don't understand what I'm saying. So, yeah, it would be an interesting challenge. But... Hmm. I could be seeing anything and you guys just won't understand me. <laughs> it's the introverted I... intuition challenge. Struggle's real. But yeah. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about being Scottish. Not I, I I I wasn't gonna say anything. I wasn't sure if that's what you were referring to or not. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. There are people who, who cannot stand my voice either. And look, you know, look at me. I yeah. so you know, you can try it out. Um, yeah yeah believe mm -hmm. in yourself and stuff um what was the question again i'm sorry what what is the youtuber experience is that kind of how we're yeah um, yeah literally you can talk about any anything you want <laughs> <laughs> oh anything no just kidding um yeah i mean uh oh, i've been doing it for so long and and people who who keep really up with my channel will know that I've, I think it's actually been a couple of months since I've released a video. So I, I've been kind of taking in uh, almost like a bit of a break the past little bit. Um, uh, writing the book, a lot of energy went into it. And then I kind of, I've, I've done some, some other things since then, but especially like way up in the, um, I mean, I loved it when I was really kind of in stride and I was making videos every week, you know, kind of in the more traditional YouTuber format. That was when I was doing the 16 type videos and the even with, uh, well, the revisiting the types was uh, that was later and things got more spread out. But when I was making those original 16 type videos, I mean, that was great. That was when things were starting to to spike. And I, I mean, it was very validating seeing so many mm. people kind of starting to show up. So I'm, I'm trying to link this in with the INFJ experience of kind of like I, you know, I have my ideas and people are saying they like the ideas and that's just a wonderful feedback loop. 
that just makes mm. me feel, uh, you know, um, you have to be careful not to let it go to your head. But um, yeah, it, um, I don't know if I, I, it's odd. It's like, I don't, I don't exactly, I don't usually think of myself as a quote YouTuber, even though that's definitely what I am. Um, mm. I, I think of myself as an MBTI enthusiast as a, as a Jungian typology enthusiast. Um, and that's the, the first thing that I am. And I kind of can branch out from there, but, um, that's, that's where everybody knows me is through, is through the, the videos I've produced there. So what yeah. about you, Scott? Oh, sorry, Joyce, you say your thing. <laughs> I'm trying to include everyone in the conversation. Um, You're basically celebrity status because you've been in, a lot of people's introductions to type have been your videos, Michael. Mm -hmm. Everyone else's videos here are great too. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. It, I'm it, really it, flattered. I, <laughs> I I don't know what to say because I, I know that I and I people people tell me that and I know it's true. I I do appreciate it. It's it's. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's like thank you for making me famous. You know, it's like what am I supposed to say? <laughs> You're in the Hollywood Boulevard of MBTI. Of MBTI, of this little, this little group. Yeah, yeah. Everyone here is a little bit of a demi-celebrity. So it's because it's a celebrity in the type space, but not like... Right, exactly. Not anywhere else. <laughs> exactly. It's great having no one else recognize you from anywhere else. But when you're in typology, everyone kind of reacts like you're the Joyce Ming or the yeah. Scott Morgan or the Michael Pierce mm. or the Jonathan. <laughs> like it's like you're Jonathan from from Ben Vazerlin's videos. It's like oh I my have, god. I, yeah, I've had that a couple of times, but not yeah. Well, more like in more like on Facebook or in Discord or something. Right. Mentioning in passing. I haven't had it in real life, and I don't think uh, typology is even that big in Scotland. Never mind anywhere else. So yeah, mm. but one day it will happen. One day. Yeah. It no. will, and we'll take over the world. Yeah, um, yeah and, and it's surprising the people who will recognize you too. Because even like people from different type spaces, not directly the 16 types, may know of your existence just by being involved in yeah. typology. Like mm. <clears throat> me and Jonathan were classmates in Catherine Falvier's. Oh, am I saying her Fauvre. last name? Favre. <laughs> in Catherine Favre's Enneagram certification program. And Catherine actually told me she was told about me before she met me. And mm. she's like, oh, yeah, one of her part-time staff watches my videos. And this is an ISTJ. And is like, yeah, I learned more about my tech from Joyce. And I'm like, well, people from the Enneagram community know about me. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and terrifying sometimes because, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, when when someone, I, it, it's, it. It's super interesting because I, I I don't I can't speak for for Scott. I'd be curious. I was actually going to ask you, but I don't know if you're allowed to answer this. Um, it, has anybody come come to you to for for counseling who suddenly realized, oh, you're that Scott Morgan from YouTube? Has that ever happened? I don't know that if you're allowed to answer, but that has yeah, um, yeah, I, that hasn't happened. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it, it's only usually oh, it's we. Oh, start going. Oh, so I, I apologize. I, I was just going to say, I think only two people total um, have have ever recognized me in real life, have ever run into me right. and have seen my videos beforehand. But what, what were you saying? Mm. Yeah, no, 
especially early on, there were people that were like, oh, it's so weird seeing you in person, you know, you're from seeing you on the screen. And yeah. it's just a weird moment um, hearing that. You don't know quite what to do other than, well, let's just move on and, and get into our conversation. But it's a, it's a surreal kind of world, um, I think, being a YouTuber. Um, I, again, a bit like Michael, I don't think of myself as a YouTuber like that term. Um, but uh, I've been, I think, doing it about eight years now with a three-year gap uh, up until recently. And, um, I mean, I've got heaps of thoughts as everyone's been sharing, but one of the things that stands out to me is, like, I'll have, like, when I wasn't making videos, I would get thoughts and I'd write them on bits of paper and, and stick them on my um, in my tray. And I've probably got about 250 thoughts and ideas and things. Some of them I don't even recognise what I meant when I wrote them. Um, but I don't make any videos from them. I, I end up with an idea or a thought and that's more inspiring to me in the moment and then I make a video. Um, that's generally how I make them is when I've got this, I'm sort of swimming in this idea and it's fresh and it's, it feels like I can feel it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to make that video. So I tried to be scared, I've tried to be scheduled and planned and, and so on this day I'll make these videos and it just has, has never really worked out that way. It's a bit more spontaneous for me. I completely understand. I, uh, most, I mean, it's, it's become very sporadic for me for that reason where it's like, I need, mm. I won't be able to motivate myself to, to, to do this unless I'm really feeling the idea. Mm. So if I've, if I make a video on something and I actually go through the trouble of, putting all the pictures together and writing a whole script and everything. And you know, it was a potent idea for me because that had to keep me going for long enough to go through that whole process. So, mm -hmm. um, but a, a lot of times, um, uh, and, and the weird thing too, it was interesting. You mentioned putting the post-it notes and then not making any videos out of them uh, because for me, it's like, it's almost like making the video. I'll like pour the idea into the video and then I put it out there and it's like, mm. I'll almost have temporary amnesia. Like I literally won't even fully remember what I was talking about in that video. And like some people will ask me about it and I'll be like, just watch the video. I, I said it there. Like I, that, that's where I, I, I outsourced my memory to the video. Right. And, yeah. and when I put it in that video and, and put it out there, I articulated it. And now it's not in my brain anymore. It is on the mm -hmm. paper someplace. It's, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, you'll create something and then someone will ask you about it again. And it's like, oh, you know, I was really, really in-depthly in analyzing that in this video. And now I possibly cannot bring up all of those amazing points right now. So it'd just be better <laughs> if you just watch that video so that I don't butcher my own idea. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. And so it seems like the creative process here comes a bit about like, you know, you're pondering these concepts and at some point you'll have one that's extremely salient and that's the time to record. And that's a great tip for people who want to make videos because oftentimes people are like, I have to mm -hmm. have it all set up. But then that's how you, you kill the vibes and then you don't even want to do it if that's the case. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to 
have some intrinsic motivation that it seems like you all have. It's just there's this love of typology and that just spills on coincidentally in video format. Or or you get and partner, <laughs> or you got a partner who's got a ton of any and they're just sending you ideas. Oh, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. I'll have to say, sure, fine, whatever. And then that's how that happens for me. <laughs> like in, I probably suggested like five videos total over the course of uh, working with Ben as far as uh, actual ideas to do. He's almost always the one with the ideas. So I think even if, if I ever did, I have thought about this, if I ever did have a channel, part of me wants either bear someone else to work with me to give me some kind of motivation and focus. Right. Uh, and also to handle the technical stuff. It's still kind of kind of a lazy approach, but nonetheless. Well, I, it, it, I have it, a bunch of ideas, but I don't want... I can definitely imagine them running out and then being stuck. Hmm. It's also easier when, um, like you said, some you have somebody to... Uh, you have something to work off of. Like something has to like hmm. stir you up, like sticking a stick into water and making ripples or something. Like it... Uh, hmm. it, it it's like you have to be stimulated. Like I've had that where like my I'll I'll be tempted to make a video responding to another video or something because that is what stirred up all these mm. thoughts and that's what everything's latched onto. But it'll be this very specific thing that I'm then bursting out and generalizing. So um, you could do it where you have like someone off screen who you never see their face, but they'll just throw a question in at you and then <laughs> and mine your depths from off screen. Um, <laughs> I do like I do like Joyce's approach actually, and some other, some other people have done this as well. But like having his regular guests on and just using them, right. ex exploiting them for views. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. cruel. We need those miners to mine out your gold. Yeah, yeah. that was a very big bottle, by the way, Joyce. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, I, I forget to drink water all the time, and so if if you just get a big bottle, you can refill it once, and then you don't dehydrate yourself and die. So that's <laughs> the plan. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I relate to what you're saying, Michael. Coming into our conversation today, I was I hadn't thought much about the topic, uh, like the male INFJ topic, and I was having breakfast with my wife, and I'm like. Tell me about INFJ males. <laughs> what do you see? Because I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I like, I mean, I know, but when I'm not sort of in the world, like um, thinking right a, a lot about it. So I sort of came into the conversation, like, I hope someone else starts talking first, right. essentially to mine that information. And then it will start to hit on all of the, the realities that I carry. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, you need something to, um, uh, to kind of start the ball rolling and then kind of the, the ideas will start to associate naturally. I've also noticed, I watched Joyce's Q&As and she always says, we'll be live in like 10, 15 minutes, but please uh, send in some questions and no one ever does, sadly. <laughs> I feel for you. But it's because, it's because the audience doesn't really know uh, what to ask until they know what the other question is about to say. And mm. I'd suggest earlier today that she'd tire an any type just for her videos, just to shoot ideas in her video chats, just to give her questions. So 
That's still an idea. You can still do that. Yeah. Apparently, I need to pay some people to ask questions during my live Q and A's. But my only resource, because I'm broke, is hugs and love. So. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. Like we're talking about Joyce paying us, and she said she told me I'll pay you in hugs and I'll pay you in love. You are not allowed to pay me for coming onto the show. I forbid you to do that. Don't you dare. I feel like the godfather. I'm like, what What would make you disrespect me so that you would want to give me payment? Why am I going off on that? Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. And so with videos, what is the payment for your videos? I guess abstractly, like I'm not saying there's some person handing you dollar bills but what reward do you get out of making videos the chance to articulate and to mm-hmm. not to to be able to present the idea to other people and feel like get feedback but hopefully positive feedback there's a validation mm-hmm. that comes from knowing that i was able to present this to another human being and they understood it and got some benefit from it um, there's also just, uh, for me personally, there's, there's a very almost visceral enjoyment of being able to take something from, for that I've seen to catch an idea and to, to put it into words so that other people can, can understand it. And, mm-hmm. um, that is sort of the, one of the big things that I, I try to do is I want to explain things to people to to capture it in the language that's very satisfying to me to be able to do that so um to bring a higher level of comprehension to these ideas that are possibly life-changing if you internalize them um, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i was going to say for me it's because i don't really know anyone in my real life who's really into this and when I really research this stuff, and it's just nice to have someone to talk to. So that's kind of how I got into it. And it was always a good chance to get over some shyness as well, just uh, making videos to help me do that and get more relaxed when it comes to these things. Uh, and yeah, it's led me down a lot of rabbit holes as well, just uh, like starting off with Myers Briggs and then. Enneagram and then Socionics and Model G, Attitudinal Psyche. I've probably talked about some other stuff now. So it's just, uh, again, the type of videos that I'm doing are a bit different from the ones that Michael or Scott are doing because I'm always talking with someone. But uh, that kind of conversational approach and having someone to talk to and explore a bunch of interesting ideas, that's what's that's what I'm getting over. I think one of the um, things that I, I guess, get from from being on YouTube is the the not so much the positive comments, but just what those those comments mean. In the sense of um, there's, yeah, I got a sense after a little while that there's all of these anonymous people I might not ever meet that have had a positive. Uh, I've had a positive impact in their lives, and every once in a while, one of them will make that comment on the on the YouTube channel, or um, 
And I just find that really fulfilling, just knowing that something of what I'm saying is having a positive impact, not just, not even in just a general way, but sometimes in a deeper, in, in a deeper way, it's having a positive impact. That feels really, really good. Um, and uh, I guess it, it's one of the things that makes it worthwhile because I know early on and even still to this day, there's still that little bit of apprehension in uploading, in, in hitting uh, go public, um, especially in the early days where I was like, I don't know if I actually know what I'm talking about, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and, um, and then you start getting this feedback and it's like, okay, I'm onto something here. And you sort of get that valid validation that your thoughts that somewhat abstract are resonating with people. And, and then you soon learn to trust that instinct and, and um, that sort of sets you on a path to, I guess, making more videos and um, coming up with other ideas. So uh, it, there's many, uh, many benefits, I think, to being a YouTuber. Like, there's just a lot of rewards that come with it. And yeah. I, just, I always trust, like, anyone that has an idea, just make a video, <laughs> put it out there. It's, it's yeah. worth the risk. Yeah, especially sometimes the INFJs have a proclivity to offer these new innovative ways of looking at an idea too sometimes. So you're trailblazing a new perspective. And so sometimes you don't know how that's going to be taken because it's like your thoughts. Mm. And so what if mm. other people don't agree, but I guess anyway, you click upload and someone will understand it. And maybe a lot of people mm. resonate and it's great to be able to help serve other people's journeys and growth and transformation. So it seems like being able to do that is just, mm. it's, it's amazing. <laughs> mm. yeah. And you all do that. So. <laughs> um, I'm, so I'm wondering what are some INFJ themes that you all notice within the type? You could start off anywhere, but maybe I'll, I should probably throw out a theme if I'm going to suggest people to talk about themes. Um, yeah. So one of the themes of, of the INFJ personality type is that they ask bigger questions quicker than a typical person does. And they're more prone to having an existential crisis since the moment that they, I don't know, since the moment that they have consciousness, they're asking bigger questions, which can result in them earlier on asking some very fundamentally like questioning fundamental assumptions of life, reality, their own life of global existence in general too. And I'm wondering about everyone's experience with that, just kind of juggling the higher order concepts a little quicker or sooner than other people. Mm. Wow. I think I'm doing that most of the time. <laughs> Um, my mind, yeah, my mind is either consciously and somewhat unconsciously constantly thinking and pondering. And, and sometimes I don't know I am until a thought comes into my mind where I'm like, ah, that's, you know, it's like sort of a unconscious post-processor of life events. And, um, and my NI is sometimes just coming forward with, with a insight or a, or a thought about what I just experienced and um, yeah and I think life has I've probably had you know they talk about the midlife crisis I think I had a half a dozen before I was 40 
<laughs> just, really? um, just, just um, life events, things that I didn't expect, just things that caused me to have to think about things and um, work stuff out and figure out what, where my place in the world was and what world was I in and this didn't work out or these sorts of things. I'm being very vague, but just, um, uh, um, I guess, yeah, asking, asking those tough questions or, or uh, being almost being burdened with them, not like I was intentionally looking for them. They were just there. And then I had to start to think about them. And I realized that I was on a different page to most people. Um, and some of those harder times was realizing that I was realizing that um, my, my mind works differently and other people are on different wavelengths and um, I sort of, um, what's the word? Um, yeah, just causes caused me to, I'm, I'm losing my thought here, <laughs> but just caused me to, um, I just, I guess, go inward in ways that most people don't, need to or have to until later on in life it's that sort of reversal where a lot of the tougher stuff gets worked out earlier and then you learn to smell the roses <laughs> yeah i because i relate to all of that i'm almost i almost get a little um i, I get sheepish talking about this because i i don't want it to I don't want it to sound too much or be too much of me being like, ah, oh, yes, I, as a child, I saw the truth and no one else could, was smart enough yeah. to see it, even though that's what it feels like, which is, is for INFJs. And I, it, and that's sort of, that's an important thing for INFJs to understand and to sort of grapple with and, and to critique to a certain extent. Um, uh, so that you don't develop like a messiah complex or something like that. But but I think it comes from um, the way I would describe it is it comes from the combination of the NI, which uh, because I you see this a bit with INTJs as well. So where where they also have this sense of I'm asking the higher order questions earlier on than everybody else. I'm like seeing the patterns. That's how NI is experienced. Um, so, and it's also very individual, um, cause NE will also see the patterns, but it, it, it's not as, um, private in that sense. Um, so you don't get the sense of, um, sort of being cut off a bit from other people and that, why can't you see this the way that I'm seeing it? Um, this is so clear to me. Um, but it's the combination of that along with the F E T I this desire to, explain it to other people, but also for, to be able to help other people. And so that's, that's why I will sometimes reference the Messiah complex thing, sort of jokingly, but also kind of serious that there can be a mm. tendency to, to feel like, and I think it's played out in history. There's a lot of historical figures that will follow this, this pattern of, I have seen, I've seen the truth and now I'm going to help everybody through it. And that can be a very good thing and also a very bad thing, uh, as we all know. Um, where was I going with this? Um, oh, it, as far as I'm concerned, though, in my own, in my own life, like, yeah, the notion of 
<laughs> of having existential crises. I mean, everybody has them, but um, hmm. it, it's it's tr it's troublesome, right? Because I feel like, and I'm not sure why, but it's it's almost like they're like it's kind of like describing a type as creative in in our modern society. Creative is considered a creative and visionary and some of these words are considered as unmitigated compliments like they are like the things you want to be in our society it's on all the ads and the posters and these are things that are used to describe the intuitive types and so it's it's because it's true but it also it naturally lends itself to the to the intuitive bias um i'm not answering your question but i am <laughs> these are just things that come to my mind um I am I am effectively avoiding trying to talk about the fact that yes I I did feel like I was I was seeing things that other people weren't seeing when I was younger and I think I really was um, this will be my last thing and then I'll and then I'll let other people talk but um, the example is I remember <laughs> I actually went back and found in my files when I was a kid I wanted to be a writer I wanted to be a novelist I wanted to write stories. Um, when like I was five, right, and I wanted to do this, and so I uh, I remember I was writing this story, and I remember distinctly in kindergarten noticing from a very early age, you know, uh, there seems to be all this tension between the boys and girls, and this seems to be like low key encouraged by the adults, and I don't think that's a good idea because I mean you have your mom and your dad, and they're boy and girl and that's where we come from i don't know how that works and i'm not looking forward to it but like we probably shouldn't like burn bridges now right guys like i i was like i was seeing like gender politics as like a five-year-old <laughs> and and i like i have proof of it because i have i have the original documents of me writing about this in my scrawled hand as i wrote it into my story where i'm like it's like yeah. this premature manifesto i i i think it's funny it it wasn't like well thought out or anything it's not like i was a kid genius or something but it's like other kids weren't doing that i was in that was where i tended to dwell so that's that's my yeah. long spiel for you yeah yeah those are amazing points, Michael. It's great how you're able to know the politics of the situation so well at such a uh, young age. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, even about it, or even spend time pondering it. You also bring up this point that, you know, a lot of people do have existential crises. So I will say, like, in today's day and age, because all of our survival needs are met, people are more prone to having existential crises a little earlier on than they typically would. And a lot of people who are into typology, some of them mm. have come in because they've had existential crises too. What I call, like, they're called ontological shocks. It's when your belief system breaks down and it's a question your fundamental assumptions. Although I do feel like mm. INFJs naturally do that on top of that too. So it's just bang, 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 bang. <laughs> All right. So Jonathan, what are your thoughts on the topic? Mm. Well... I don't know if I would phrase it as asking deeper questions because I kept most of my thoughts to myself. And I didn't write things down as so any proof of this. Uh, but I do remember, yeah, looking like I'd be five years old or whatever and looking at the adults and thinking, I know more about certain things <laughs> than you do. I feel a bit more insightful, like understands things that are being said better than you do. Uh, 
I do remember thinking about how oh, like three years old, four years old, whatever the boys and the girls they all mixed and it was no problem. But then as we're getting older, we're we're going to be segregated. I could see that. Uh, I remember small ideas like uh, thinking oh. I'll get blue eyes, other people with brown eyes, some green. Maybe we're seeing the world in different ways, like your red is my green, my blue is your yellow, whatever, things like that. Uh, yeah, I can relate to all of that. I just don't have any specific examples off the top of my head. Uh, I just remember spending, I have five in my tri type and Enneagram, so this is part of that as well. I do remember spending a lot of time alone, just a lot deep in thoughts and uh, exploring ideas in my mind and uh, just being in the school library and reading through whatever and uh, yeah all very vague when it comes to actually explaining what I was thinking or even remember what I was thinking but it was deep take my word for it <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, it's not just the five thing because I relate to it. If it was just the five I thing, mean, then I'm a five. Okay. I meant more of the I meant more of the uh this how much I spent on one compared to I've listened to other INFJs talk about things and there's even there's a slight difference with uh the amount of time I'm spending alone and the way I'm thinking about things. So that's all bit of a later topic but uh yeah i can see the differences and i've had to learn how infjs have their own varieties and all the differences as well mm. yeah not, not to bottle all of your insights i'm sure you had wonderful deep thoughts but you know how dare <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> taking the prize for that. You mentioned, Jonathan, how when you were a kid, you thought that you knew better than the adults. That's something that I experienced as well. You know, the moment that I had conscious awareness or conscious thought, I was thinking about, hmm, I am, I, I am more mature than the adults around me. <laughs> or not mature, it's like a more like thinking about the situation in, in, in depth than the adults around you. It's like more aware. You feel more like aware. you're more conscientious mm -hmm. or conscious or you're seeing things that you're like watching. It's almost like it's almost like watching like animals in the forest do the same thing over and over again and never learning. And you're watching like them do this as a kid and you're mm -hmm. feeling it's like frustrating or, or other kids. You're seeing them do these like stupid things. And it's like, what? Why? Did you not watch, like, I remember being like, listen, guys, I, I learned this from watching television. I watched shows and they told me, don't brag. I was like, got it. I got the moral from the story. You saw the same episode and yet you're bragging. What is the problem here? Like, it, all, tons of times like that. It's, 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 <laughs> it's silly because we're like little five-year-olds. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, I totally get that. Um, it was so well explained. Yeah. It's like watching everyone play into their own patterns and not yes. and not look, looking deeper into them. And it's like, not, not looking deeper into them. And uh, it, 
though it it's important to note i um because i always i always try to um be reflexive and be like i'm sure there were there were patterns that i was falling into that i didn't notice about myself mm -hmm. um so that i was effectively mm -hmm. doing the same thing but maybe just in a very different way not like like just in terms of cycling not necessarily what they were doing um so that is important to note uh, mm. but yeah, that, that's something, that's something you hear a lot from NI types in general, but especially INFJs, I think because of the, the, the focus on the social patterns, um, the INTJs, I think will focus more on, generally speaking, will focus more on, um, like system patterns or, uh, uh, things like that. But there's, there's blur over, I think. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't mean that I understood or I thought I understood everything better than the adults. Oh no, no. It was more well, just certain particular things. Like it was, I was thinking specifically of being in church and listening to sermons and reading stuff mm -hmm. and thinking I'm getting the lessons a bit more than they are. Yes. At the, yeah. time, at the same time, I wouldn't want to, you know, be doing taxes or filing anything like that. Even. Oh yeah. <laughs> even. No. Today, <laughs> yeah not that stuff not but that yeah like stuff. like like it's getting the point of things quicker yeah. or feeling it that way at least yeah exactly like like mm. in church or in school and people would it's yeah. like i can just quickly it's like okay i know the point of what you're trying to get across to me i i quickly recognize the moral of the story whereas other people would seem like they were mystified by it or didn't get it and i'm like Anyway, yeah, no, I, mm. I wasn't trying to critique you or anything. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to apply for any STG yeah. question you thought. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Or, or, even... case, actually, or just in case the million to one chance that my parents or something see this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a whole other topic, too, is like the censoring yourself because you're like, oh, wait. Who else is going to hear me say this? And how will they think of this? How will this group think of this? And it's like you box yourself in. Yeah, yeah. I I feel that too. Yeah, it's like you know your your friends and their takes or people around you and how they would view their opinion on your topic. And you're like, yes. I know XYZ is going yes. to counteract what I think. And yes. It's like, all right, I'm saying it and I already effie know the social implications. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. That's so good, sorry, that's something I wanted bring up as well because uh i know how other people will react to these things i sometimes i got in the habit of kind of playing devil's advocate with myself and i to like i imagine how other people would respond and then how i would respond or how someone else would respond and I'd also sometimes come up with better arguments mm -hmm. i felt that what actually came out and that's how i sort of uh saw things and advanced things ideas in my head and developed them in my head mm. uh, it's yeah. a tension between NI and FE where the NI thinks and may may have answers to other people's problems or may not, but um, and perspectives, but it's especially if a child's with an adult and the adult is is the, the child INFJ and the adult is the adult is sharing their their struggle or they're just finding themselves talking because the INFJ and I think NFs generally can find, uh, not find, but people find the INFJ and uh, and get the download on from people's lives. Um, but there's that, so there's that NI um, 
hearing and understanding and perceiving and all of that, but then FE is like, what what does one do with what one knows? Um, and I, I think maybe we've all had the experience of the positive and the negative of the FE uh, expressing of thoughts and ideas and and uh, what that can do <laughs> in situations. Yes, I actually is I, I wanted to mention because that that notion of the FE creating problems and almost yeah that tension between that and the NI where it's like I'll have these NI ideas but I'll be afraid of how they would come off to other people or how to explain them to other people and being nervous um, for me it it actually got it's it's gotten very bad at certain points where I've been um, almost mm -hmm. unable to speak because I'm so afraid of, you know, the, the, I'll project what I think the other person will say in response. And, you know, it's, it's not like I'm completely off. And there's also been times mm -hmm. when I've been dead on and like, mm -hmm. I knew exactly what this other person was going to like it, but, but I, I've found it important for myself and maybe it's just me, but there have been times when I have gotten dead set that so-and-so is going to respond in this way, but, but I was miscalibrated and it, it actually turned out that they responded in a totally different way. And that was actually very therapeutic for me to, to realize that because it's like, oh, okay, maybe I can be a little more open with what I say because maybe I can't magically mm. control why, you know, like through some kind of mind reading thing. I can't magically mind read people all the time. Maybe they actually have agency. I, I think that can be therapeutic sometimes. It was for me to kind of to 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 lessen up a bit on that. Um, but it is it's a it's a very natural tendency, especially for for me. And I, I see it in INFJs like what you guys were saying now. So um, yeah, like you have you have an instinct for knowing how things will land with other people yes. sometimes, and it sucks when it's proven positive true like it, it, yeah. if it's a negative instinct so like um w with certain typology schools have a lot of tension between them and i know specific like there there is a community in type that just hates the neuroscience branch would wish it were to burn in flames because <laughs> ah, i didn't believe, know about this <laughs> yeah they believe that type is more of a theory rather than we should prove it through science and it's despicable right. if you do mm. and I, i'm mm. aware of the people who have this perspective and i'm like should i have this person on or not because i know exactly that the backlash i'm going to get and uh, then yeah i post the video anyways and then i have people like Ooh, they, they, they're, they're pushing back. They really don't like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The thing is you're, you're aware sometimes of the, the long-term implications of something. So like once, once they, there are some people who, if they hate you for a certain video, they hate you for life. They're just <laughs> have a negative opinion of you. They will nitpick you every single thing you do just because you did <laughs> one mistake. And now they see everything through this, mm -hmm. uh, what do you call mm -hmm. it? The horns effect. So everything is seen in this negative light because they have a negative impression of you. It's like, no, the, the extroverted feeling sees it as kind of preventable too. Because it's like, oh, if I just didn't post that video, I wouldn't right. have had that happen. Hmm. So it just creates this like weirdness that Michael mentioned. It's like, oh, you know this. So now what do you do? <laughs> so you mentioned a really interesting point too, Michael. And uh, you talked about, you know, and Jonathan, and you talked about, 
getting the moral of the story of, you know, certain sermons that, and it would take in a different way than other people would. And I find that sometimes INFJs, they take away a different moral of the story than other people do too. It's like, hmm. not just the fact that they get the moral of the story, but it's almost like they have their own take on the moral of the story too. So it's this own innovative hmm. understanding of it. And everyone, it's kind of like, oh, that's not how I took that story. But Yeah, um, I've, I've actually seen, uh, I think... I'll see this sometimes on YouTube in, in very different forms, specifically with like movies, I think, where people, um, it's almost like seeing the NI in people who are not necessarily NI types and also the NI in NI types. It's it's like in, um, what I'm talking about is, is seeing people getting very upset about certain movies um, because they perceive you know, behind what's going on on the external surface, they perceive certain, I like the term zeitgeist, if you will, uh, uh, the spirit of the times running through this film. They see, oh, this is the agenda the film is pointing out. I think that's a very, in general, that's that's a very NI thing to to feel like you're noticing that and and like noticing the moral of the story. It's like, okay, I get what you are trying to socially get me to to do, but... I'm also going to dig into it and look at the structure of the argument that's implicit in what you were saying and possibly draw. This is what the real moral of the story ought to be, because I'm not going to submit to what you're saying. You know, um, uh, I that's actually kind of interesting because um, you see it in, in the INFJ philosophers where they will be aware. You'll know that they are aware of what the point of a story is supposed to be or the or the point of an argument is supposed to be like i'll hear somebody making an argument and i can't get it out of my head that it's like i know why you're arguing this is because your wife left you and so and so that's just a joke but like that's a terrible joke i because it's sad but um <laughs> but but like i it's like oh you're you you have these things in your childhood or whatever that i just sort of sense because i've met other people and i've seen it and i know why you're making the argument and it's like i pay more attention to that than i do to the argument itself because it's like i can see why i think you're making it um and and so i i think people will will do that with I was going to relate that to movies, but um, it's a little more flimsy than I'd like it. So I pass it on to the others. I think that was a wondrous example because I oh, do notice. <laughs> <laughs> I do notice people's post hoc reasoning. So I'll see that they made an argument, and then I'll realize these are the deeper factors that are causing you to create those arguments in your head. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've got slightly different. I'm coming out of a slightly different view because I used to write reviews for movies and I've watched a ton of... I've went through a phase of really getting really in-depth in with movie criticism and stuff, so I know exactly what you're talking about and I've seen it all, but I also recognise the layers of arguments that go on as well, like uh, the often political... Like the activists who will construct arguments or the students who will construct arguments in film class and stuff and the ideological agendas that go on and how ideas like that the logic behind it, not just the ni stuff but also the ti stuff of uh, the logical framework that they're 
referencing when it comes to some of these things, uh, even if it's a personal. Sometimes there'll be a personal motive for it, but then they'll actually want a logical framework to justify that personal motive, uh, which can complicate things more. So I do, I have realized that a lot of the time I thought I understood, I did understand why someone was arguing a certain way, but I understood it on a more superficial level than I originally thought. And when I get in depth with it, I can understand the perspective better. My only, my main issue is more that even if their argument makes sense, it's very clear they do not understand the other, the other arguments. Sometimes they're actively refusing to understand the other arguments. So, And that can be either because of ego, that can also be because they do in fact have a particular agenda they're trying to push. Uh, and that's usually because they think everyone's trying to push an agenda and so the idea that and the idea becomes that compromise is like a threat. If you compromise on something, you just revert to the status quo, you just create a new status quo that does not serve what you're trying to do. So that's my two cents. If I if I can jump if are, it, it often feels like arguments and um words in general, language in general, but specifically in the form of an argument, of a rationally constructed argument, are wielded by people not as a way to interface with other people, right? Which is sort of the ideal, is that you construct an argument so that mm. you can get on the same page with somebody else and say, hey, we both agree on this. Well, this is how I see it. You know, that's the ideal, but the natural tendency is to wield it like a weapon and to say, I have this argument and I'm going to use it to destroy you, <laughs> to shatter it's... your spirit by swinging this argument at you. And and that's it. It feels like okay, the the ego is the thing that's holding the argument, and then they construct it post hoc in order to defend themselves against something. You look like you want to say something, Jonathan. Have yeah. I? That have I... <laughs> that is true. Something's probably true for the average person, but uh, I remember something. I remember seeing something or reading something years ago that really just stood out to me. It was something like language is the first rule of winning a debate is to control the language. Right. So all these words are to mm. they are constructed. There's there's more cold blooded reasoning sometimes than is first apparent. Like the people actually doing the argument may be very hot blooded and hot headed and stuff, yeah. but they're using arguments that have been thought about and methodically organized mm. so like again the assumption with people who do that sort of thing is that everyone's doing that sort of thing like if you're if you were involved in the in a political campaign for example uh i guess someone like people on the ground will be really passionate and all about protesting and stuff the higher up the ladder you go the more cold-blooded strategic calculation is taking place of like oh here's how this person will react so you think here's what these people believe and we need to make these kind of arguments to get their support and votes because if we don't then this other person will win or this person will not uh, go a certain way so that layer is happening as well and uh, there's always there's always a sense that things are spontaneous 
there's a lot of things that you think are spontaneous that are actually quite carefully planned and organized. And I'm not saying there's some kind of Illumina, Illuminati type right. organization pull all the strings. I am saying rather there's like a million Illuminatis all pulling each, all pulling the strings and they're all trying to outcompete each other all in different layers of society. So uh and these can be people who have no power whatsoever, but uh they want to mm. be part of something bigger. It could be like you know, students in a university or people just sitting around uh, in a bar running really tiny political parties or groups, but they're all interconnecting to each other. I'm going a bit of a ramble now, but uh, (laughs) this is probably sound like a really... Some people probably listen to this and think that's NI crazy conspiracy stuff. But no, I know what you're trying to get at, though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm talking about, like, ideological groups and political groups and corporations and all these mm. and, it's, and it's not it's not that it's all a single master plan, it's there's a billion tiny master plans that are constantly interfering with each other mm. Yeah, it creates yeah. this this kind of atmosphere and I think social media has really exacerbated it because it's given yes. yeah. a lot of these, I hear a lot of people say that uh things are worse than ever or things are so more intense than ever and they are not like if you've got american history there's a so many times where things were as intense or even more intense than then they were now they've had civil wars and so on but uh the mm-hmm. difference is before didn't have twitter didn't have facebook didn't have uh, any of these things and that's what makes it seem a lot more and 24 7 news media as well that's what just makes it seem a lot more constant. I, I know for me, <laughs> I know for me, um, just I think hearing, I think that the, the general gist of what everyone's saying is I li- I find I live outside of all of that most of the time. I'm observing it in, in others. I, I think what you said before, Michael, as well, we probably have it in ourselves in our own way, but there is that ability or that just that tendency, at least in me, to be outside of the, of cultures um, observing like like it, the whole left right thing like I'm too I'm too right for the left I'm too left for the right I'm uh, like uh, you know there's just that um, ability to to join with with everybody and no and nobody at the same time and and noticing like when particular words are used and the way they're used you sort of usually get a sense of what's loaded um, behind a particular word that people use and um yeah I, I guess i find myself um uh sort of skating through that like not not getting hooked in to those sorts of things i i, I get tripped up now and again but generally speaking I'm, a, I'm an observer of the culture um you know like <clears throat> you watch youtube videos or something and there's, there's that group and that group and they're fighting and you're watching saying if if you if you just said it that way, <laughs> right, you would be yeah. you'd be hugging right now, you know, right, instead of hurling stuff at each other. Like you're you're both right in a way, and if we can just you, know, you want to be that mediator to you know have a big group hug, <laughs> yeah, because it's 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 only this far away yet yet they're a mile apart at the same time. Yeah, so. yeah, that's really 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 well put, Scott. <laughs> there, Thanks, yeah, there is this element of 
being an INFJ where you can see people sending radio frequencies to each other, yet you don't feel the need to have to participate in all of the frequencies that everyone is sending to each other. It's almost like you can observe it on a meta scale. You're like, all right, I can see the left's points and the right's points. And I could see how they could they could get along if they believed in this slightly differently, it would change the outcome dramatically. And so introverted intuition is a lot about having an insight that can cause a shift in a meta perspective, um, which Scott mentioned well. And so you also mentioned the point of feeling outside of culture. And so oftentimes INFJs don't really feel like a part of the world. They feel like they're observing the world, but not truly engaging in it as a full participant as everyone else is. You're almost watching people play play their moves as, and you're you're just observing it like huh with your feti just also looking at the social dynamics and looking at the beliefs behind those social dynamics too but never fully feeling like you buy into anything you, you buy into things in your own way but it's not not typically how other people see it so you know introverted thinking can sometimes create a very intricate model of its own beliefs so it doesn't really need to outsource that to anyone else and so plus introverted intuition you, hmm. you you are going you're cutting off from the world to come to your intuitive insights and so hmm. yeah michael you mentioned the idea of people using arguments as a weapon towards each other and yeah so i find that the you know you want an argument when both sides win so it's almost like if it's a win-win, then it's an actual win. If only one side wins, then maybe you won, but it, it was a loss for the relationship. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I, I I do think that's another INFJ thing. And and you'll see it a bit in other types too. Um, but that desire to, and being able to see, uh, how do I reconcile these two sides together? How do I bring them together into kind of a new synthesis how do I, um, you know, I like looking at the feeling like you're this outsider and you're looking at these two sides from this kind of dispassionate point of view and being like, oh, well, here's what you guys want and here's what you guys want. And now I'm going to bring you together and you will kiss, <laughs> you know, like little <laughs> little dolls, you know, like bring them together. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, um you uh, uh, trying trying to reconcile by you you know bringing them onto the same onto the same platform. I see this a lot in it, it crops up again and again. I think in the INFJ philosophers, um, where one of the th- hallmarks is that whether it's explicit or not, they they always end up sort of trying to play the role as of mediator between different points of view and trying to synthesize them into something that is sort of very peculiar and unique to them. And then trying to be like, and this is what you all should adopt and all of your problems will be solved for heaven's sake. Like, like you, you guys are really very, or, or seeing how two sides that appear to be very different are when viewed from this sub sub level are actually the same thing. They're, they're in the same root system. Um, so things like that, I think the INFJ very much, um, whereas the INTJ will, will do that sometimes, but is more likely, I think, to, to note it, to, to differentiate things and to say, here's how these things are different. And this one's going to win because of these factors. 
Whereas the INFJ is more like, no, they're the same thing and they should come together and have <laughs> and, and get married and all this stuff, you know, um, yeah. I'm being facetious. But the, those are the differences between the temperaments, too. So Linda Barron, yeah. she calls the NTs the theorists and they're known for noticing the differences. So and whereas the catalysts, the NFs uh, use similarities to bond people together yes. so that they can meet their potential. Mm. So, so you'll have these INFJs who understand how to synthesize these, what people think are radically different views, but actually have the same roots and you can actually very easily get them to get together. Oftentimes people don't really know that's inside the INFJ because INFJs may not share that, you know, um, yeah, where like you're talking with somebody who's really into one idea. Uh, politics is the most obvious example. You're talking with somebody who's really firmly on one side of the political spectrum. And and it's just so hard. It's like you don't, it's like you'll find yourself like, yeah, sure, you know, to this. And it's like your disagreement will take more of the form of, sure you know like that kind of different because you don't want to outright contradict them because you're like well that's just not going to help anything because they're mm. they'll just get angry and they want someone to fight against and and then you'll talk to somebody on the other side and and so you kind of get this i think that's one of the struggles that that infjs really really feel because they want to be honest with people but they also want to reconcile people and they find themselves in the role of this sort of diplomat I at least have found myself in that role mm -hmm. a, a number of times yeah. where I feel like I'm almost bordering on being two-faced with people, which I don't like. Um, but it's almost like I have to because you're so entrenched and mm -hmm. I'm never going to get anything done if you don't think I'm on your side. And I am on your side, just maybe not as much as I'm also, you know, colluding with the enemy. I, I remember playing... <laughs> I, I made a video about this where I was playing this version of risk with people. And like one, one person came up to me and was like asking me for money under the table to help them uh, to, to fend off somebody else. And I felt sorry, sorry for them. So I gave them money. And then the person who was fighting them came up to me later and was like, I really need money in order to fund this operation against them. And so I gave him money too, because I didn't want to say no, and because it's a game. So it's like, yeah, so I'm funding both sides under the <laughs> table. I'm like, oh no, what have I done? Um, but anyway, that's like an extreme example. But Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, because of the TIFE, INFJs can seem wishy-washy with their position on things because the TI can yeah. play devil's advocate easily. Mm -hmm. Well, I am a one, though, so less so than perhaps. <laughs> so you would never do that. See, I'm, I would do I'm it a five. Way. I just don't want anyone to hurt me. So that's what I would do. <laughs> mm. oh. yeah. I, have, I have found out that a lot of people recognize, they may not know what INFG is necessarily, but they'll recognize mediators and compromisers and stuff, and they'll be actively against it because they're it's like compromise will not get them what they want especially if you factor in things like a greater status quo that they're trying to change where compromise would basically be the same as giving up so those are sort of 
that's what I was getting at when I said I can see both sides and I can see how I reconcile them. The reason we often fail at that or we sometimes don't even try is because in some intuitive level we know that it's going they're not necessarily interested in that a lot of time they just want to be angry a lot of time they're uh, up against something they're thinking and kind of a different thoughts they're not really trying to achieve the compromise they're trying to get their way uh, and until you recognize that it's tempting for an INFJ to think they'll have a deep insight into the situation, but perhaps not quite as deep as they thought if they really dive deep into what each person is thinking. Mm. So, yeah, INFJs are not going to be like extremely quick to jump in with mediating. They'll, they'll jump in for sure. But sometimes um, I, where I was trying to steer this was um, Scott talks about like the non-playable character. And so I wanted to go <laughs> like, so um, I, th- I might be using the term out of context too. So y- you can also feel free to correct me. But I wonder if like, because INFJs feel so outside of culture and sometimes they know when the people are just not ready for the insight too. So it's like, why share if people aren't ready? So I wonder if part of the NFJ experience is being a non-playable character or an NPC in a game. So what are your thoughts, Scott? <laughs> you mean you mean being the NPC? Yeah, yeah, being the NPC. This is a, a point you mentioned before. I, I just... Yeah, I'm trying to remember our conversation <laughs> about it. I can't remember it. Um, I have points if you need time to, to think. But, please. Uh, uh, which again, I, I don't know the specific, um, way in which you, 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 you use the term in the conversation, but, um, all I was going to say is, uh, it, it kind of goes back into that notion of trying to be outside of the culture. That's the way I'm thinking of it now. Um, mm. but it also having a potential negative tinge because it's like, well, if you never get involved, then you're, you know, you're you use religious imagery, you're, you're, you're burying your talents, you know. Um, sometimes that is the wisest thing, though, is to not get involved. But because I, I mm. remember um, that almost being like my ideal in, in like grade school, like I would think to myself, ah, my thing is I'm the I'm I am like the NPC who is not involved. I'm over on the side and like I'm like the merchant right? Like you can come to me and buy your wares for your own things from me, but I won't be directly involved in the plot. Um, and I almost sort of relished that idea. And um, the problem with that is that there, there were elements, there was the benefit of I, I could be the, the counselor for people um, that kind of ended up being, you know, for me anyway, it was sort of a stereotypical thing that would happen sometimes. Um, but uh, I don't know. There was also kind of an element of, um, I, I think I, 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 f- I at least now feel like I relished that role too much of not getting involved. I'm almost, I'm too cool for these other people. Not that I would ever say that or consciously think that, but, um, mm. it was almost like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to, to get involved with these people and their petty problems, you know, it, it uh, which I've kind of tried to fight against um, in my constant journey to be a better person and stuff. But 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know quite how you use the term, but. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember either, but my thoughts at the moment are, um, I think, yeah, that non-playing character, just being an observer and, and watching, I think, um, I, I guess it's, it's both and. It's like, I think the, if we just, we're on IF, INFJ topic, so like the INFJ can look at, like, like maybe a classroom setting and and the debate is roaring and there's those people with that opinion and those and the uh, and and the INFJ can be looking at th this is these are all non-playing I've been kind of judgy but not judgy like these are all non-playing character kind of thing like there's they're almost repeating automatic right. thoughts that they've heard from outside and they've adopted it and now they're using those language. Yes. But everyone yeah. else could see the INFJ as the non-playing character because they're not choosing to be involved. Right. Um, so, um, and I, some thoughts that I've been having as everyone's been talking is um, like, I've had experiences in life that have kind of, I guess you could say sort of beaten some wisdom into me about when to be involved and when not to be involved. I mean, I've got into situations, you know, early on in my journey where um, I tried to be of assistance um, and uh, and it um, led to, oh, how do I put it? It backfired. So my mm -hmm. best intentions to be of assistance to, to these, to these situations, all well intended and all of that. I, I walked into a hornet's nest yeah. that I didn't anticipate. Um and uh, I guess I had a bit of a blind spot there that I didn't see something else that was happening that kind of led me. And so just things like that where, where I guess not knowing I was INFJ at that point and not knowing that sometimes my words can be like, uh, they're just my words, but I don't realize that they're have, they could have a tremendous or a powerful effect on, on people that I wasn't even aware of because I'm just like being me speaking my language. So I, I sort of had that the, those experiences of very positive and very negative and very confusing experiences by just being that person and then learning later on um, the INFJ piece. And, and I think also becoming a counsellor also really harnesses that ability to know when to be involved and when not to be involved and mm -hmm. to what word to use and when to use and all of that. And that was kind of forged both inside counselling and outside counselling um, by being young and naive and thinking everyone, you know, the, you're talking about the kumbaya kind of, you know, we're all, we're all going to, we're all, the, the world's going to hug one day and um, the good chance it's not going to happen. And so there's just that, I guess, dealing, life just does what it does, to, I think, to shape us, shape our NI, shape our FE. Um, in, and I guess it all comes to sort of uh, wisdom, wisdom and humility. And usually the ingredient to those two things is pain, <laughs> you know, having negative experiences that, you know, sort of help shape us. So I think... Yeah, I'm not sure how to get back to the NPC thing, but um, um, yeah, just some thoughts. Just end it. Cut. We're yeah, good. cut. <laughs> end of stream. <laughs> as a as a as a wise man uh, said to me not terribly long ago, it's totally you know you you may feel like you got off topic, but 
you know, when you're an mm -hmm. when you're an insightful person, that usually just means you're you're saying something even more interesting than what was supposed to be on topic. So, yeah. um, I think all three of us have had that in this chat. Like one moment we just go on a really deep NIN set and just went and. <laughs> sort of walk to the cliff okay. i've got nothing else <laughs> so wait okay yeah. This, stop me. Yeah. you ever played minecraft and you're like digging out the the like the coal shoot and you're like oh that's the end of that route it kind of took me all over here and then i finished that joyce sorry <laughs> Yeah, the introverted intuitions known for speaking in parables. And so it's like, oh, <laughs> I've reached the end of my parable. All right. <laughs> and so you mm. mentioned, Michael, being the confidant for people. And that's mm. a quality of the NF catalyst. It's that the temperament's known for being people's confidants. So, yeah, Linda Barron's knowledge right there. <laughs> and so... Um, Non-playable characters. On the topic of what Scott mentioned, he talked about how INFJs may see other people as the non-playable characters because they're just on autopilot all the time and it's like, oh, are you really making your own decisions through awareness or are you just making these decisions without that? Um, whereas other people see the INFJ as the non-playable character because they don't know what's going on in the INFJ. And oftentimes, um, I think INFJs are like, looks can be deceiving in the sense that on the surface, a lot of them have a blander appearance from, yeah, from the ones that I've met. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean that in a weird way. I'm trying to rephrase that. I'm going to go find my... Judging our looks for you, mate. Maybe I need to start wearing my, I'm going to go get my faux leather jacket that I got from Goodwill. And maybe then I'll look a little more fabulous for you. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. I just had to grip on. You're good. I know what you mean. So, so like, oftentimes with INFJs, they can be underestimated because they're all steak, no sizzle. So all substance, but they don't always possess it like with right. a everywhere for everyone to see. People can be very surprised to hear the INFJ's insight because oftentimes they're not like, they're not like a flashing light trying to make people notice them, that they just have this wall of insight and they're not advertising it like with a bill neon billboard, mm -hmm. but it's there. And so people are like surprised, like, wow, I was not expecting that. It's like, don't judge a book by its cover almost. Mm -hmm with the depth of them because it's like oh i didn't know it was there it's like oh i thought you were an npc but you're actually holy crap there's a pc on this on this non-online game what the heck yeah i will say i've seen the term npc kind of used as a sort of source against by certain people I was kind of wondering about our use of it. I think we're fine here. I was just wondering if that's our if that's our inner ESTP coming out. Wait, what is wait, what is the other word for NPC? I don't know. Well, NPC is a term for computer games, like just the average role playing game stuff. But some people like TPs often will be using it as a sort of source. Like, oh, they're most people just drones, brainless drones where we're smarter and active and stuff. Oh, oh, mm. totally misused that word right there. No, I, 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 
it's more it's, just it's, i've seen it i've seen it in these very political contexts yeah. um yeah. it's kind of been co-opted i think but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, I was more meaning the word in the sense that yeah. feeling outside. So no, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. That's good to know. I think we're fine. We're reinventing the word. <laughs> yes. We're I've, always seen, it always, I've always seen myself as kind of like the Gandalf or the Yoda or the Obi-Wan, like guiding the person. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully without dying, though. That brings us to fictional and famous... Or real life INFJs. Oh yes, because Ben sometimes calls me the Scottish Yoda. <laughs> because <laughs> I, compared, I think I said I like Yoda once, or I compare myself to Yoda once, and <laughs> so so yeah, so that. And I always, I always related to Yoda and Obi Wan type person. I thought I'm, I'm going to be that when I grow up. Not that I want to be that when I grow up. I'm going to be that when. I, I'm older. That's my destiny. That's what's going to happen. Um, another good one, if you know the Hannibal Lecter stories. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Hannibal well, Lecter. marginally. Hannibal Lecter is not who I'm thinking of. It's the guy who caught him, a guy called Will Graham. Because I remember it's in the the story is Red Dragon. There's also a version, an adaptation called, called Manhunter. And the first time I heard him describe his ability... I thought I do that. That's exactly what I do because he is an FBI agent and he's very empathic and get in the mind of serial killers and think and see how serial killers think and that's how he catches them. So the way he caught Hannibal Lecter, who's probably a very unhealthy INTJ, uh, he went to visit him once because he was working on a case to try to catch a serial killer, and Hannibal left and he just started looking around Hannibal's office, whatever, and he saw something uh like i think it was actually the vitruvian man which joyce was talking about earlier today he saw that on a director's desk and that resembled one of the murder victims and he thought it's him mm -hmm. this is the guy just intuitively he knew mm -hmm. uh and of course hannibal Lecter was another intuitive so he knew that he knew so he, mm. he just, <laughs> they could have their ni battle of wits that so many so many INFJs and INTJs secretly dream about. Well, so, really, I like to just stab them, but yes. Well, that, yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, uh, that actually reminds me, um, Dostoevsky, Fyodor Dostoevsky, the Russian writer, I think is an INFJ. And the reason you're talking about Hannibal Lecter reminded me of it because, um, and like that empathy, that empathic sort of getting into the mind of, of this person. Um, that's sort of what Dostoevsky is well known for, to the point that um, he, he wrote Crime and Punishment, which is literally about a mm -hmm. murderer, um, as I'm sure most people know. And it's famous because he spends like the whole first section is just him following this character named Raskolnikov um, as he tries to decide whether or not to commit this murder and then after committing the murder and it's like the most uh -huh. it's just amazing how like intuitively de it's and it was so much so that one of like the famous critics who who read it like read that first section of crime and punishment or i think read the whole book and at the end of it was like has this mr dostoevsky ever murdered anybody because he's like I don't see how someone could come up with this unless they had actually done it. And of course he hadn't, 
but like i'm like oh yeah like um i i get that notion of being able to get into the headspace if i if i decided to but that's funny because another an author who is i think maybe an infj i've seen tapes of that was agatha christie yeah order mystery author and uh she wrote a ton of them and i have noticed I really do believe that you can figure out someone's Jungian type uh, if if they're an author, if you read their works. Like you can tell, yeah. I can see SI and FI and T and all these things. Yeah. And, uh, NFJ novels or INFJ novels are a bit less detailed. They do like mysteries. Yeah. Like bringing all these things together and uh, bring up. I think her main character, her most famous character is Hiko Paro. The, yeah, I don't know if he's INFJ, maybe INTJ, but uh, he does talk about his intuition, his little gray cells. He does talk, he does talk about like uh, being able to understand the psychology of a crime. I still don't think he's an INFJ, but he's a sort of psychology focused INTJ. Yeah, I think fascinating. And so, Scott, what are your INFJ examples? anywhere of famous people um, person um fictional non-fictional famous not yeah it's not really ironically it's not it's not an interest (laughs) um uh, yeah yeah i um i mean i think i do that in my own like me and my wife were watching a movie or something we'll talk you know what type this person might be or this or that but it's to be asked, you know, what famous people, it's just not in the forefront of my mind, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I do have, I do have a PS, I do have a, I want to get my soapbox for a second because this person is always taped as INFJ, but if you read about their life, their private life, they were so extroverted because they hated being alone and they had a dozen people over to their home every single day. Adolf Hitler, I swear to God, he is not yeah, an that's He's an ENFJ. <laughs> you don't have the ENFJ. They can have him. You really want private life. You really did hate being alone. He loved having dozens and dozens of people over every day. It would be absolute hell for an INFJ to be like that. So Hitler is not. There was. I see we have a disagreement, but I I suspect you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a fair argument. Yeah, I don't have a position on this argument, but Kiersey actually mm. typed Adolf Hitler as an INFP. Yeah. What? He was kind of he was kind of evil, actually. He did the, he even had when he was younger, he had like the hair that just was over his eye. It was over one eye is like a sort of evil. Oh actress. really? Mm. I don't think that really means uh, his type, but just Oh no, but he had this thing where he would go and rant and the hair would then Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. He looked like it. He looked like a boy band member or something, except yeah, for the mustache. Yeah. He also yeah. Uh, would like when he was on the campaign show. Sometimes he would disappear, and Joseph Goebbels would get annoyed and have to go look for him. He'd find him hanging out with bohemian types and artists and writers and stuff, just discussing things. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah. Anyway, that's my little rant. I could go into tons. Ben and I actually made a video about three hours long where I went into depth about that. But uh, anyway, I don't think... My, 
My, my two cents on that is like I've just got little snapshots of like documentaries that I've seen, you, you know, whenever about um, World War Two and all of that. And uh, when I see Hitler like in his private space, you know, he's up in the like a villa and his like he looks like he doesn't look extroverted. He looks very kind of like a contained person. He's in his villa. He's not by himself. He's got like yeah people over. Like he yeah. would get up in the afternoon and he'd have a bunch of his cronies waiting for him and they wouldn't be allowed to leave his company until like two in the morning when he was tired and went to bed. And then the next day they'd have to be there at the exact same time every day. And there were people in his inner circle who would sometimes get sick. If they were sick for too long, he just kicked them out of his circle. He didn't want anything to do with them. But uh, because he was so emotionally needy in that sense, it was just very... He controlled his image and he liked to portray himself as like this mm. bachelor who was married to Germany and was always working and stuff. But mm. in reality, he was spent a lot of his time just hanging out with his buddies. Uh, mm. Yeah, so I've got... Interesting. I have, a, I have a history degree. I've got like dozens of books. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'll back away. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Fascinating. Okay. That is very interesting. Is it okay mm. if we take a five-minute break? I have a really big stomach ache, and I'm like, just, oh. I'll be right back. It's, like, unexpected. No I <laughs> no Is problem. that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. I'll be yeah. right back. I probably this video demonetized because I brought up it so much. Sort <laughs> <laughs> of ah. monetized, but taken down. So, yeah, Joyce, we were having a discussion. Yeah. Are That's you okay, fun. Joyce? Uh... Yeah, I just have a little bit of food poisoning and I think I just like ate oh. something weird yesterday and I've been having it these past two days and I'm like oh, <laughs> oh I'm sorry um, thanks Michael um, it's all right I'll live um, okay I was trying to do mind over matter until I was like nope can't no, no. You, uh, I, well I, yeah okay I, I won't ask that on while we're recording <laughs> I was just gonna be like you didn't throw up yet or <laughs> you're okay I don't know sorry you don't have to answer that um, uh, it was your decision. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways, yeah. All right, back on track. We left off at Hitler. Okay. <laughs> Let's not talk anymore about Hitler. <laughs> That's just, you know, the, he's, lost his, he's lost his right to screen time. You know? um, I've bad things about him. We probably shouldn't be on. And yet at the, and at the same time, I'm embarrassed because I'm like, Jonathan, you need to tell me what books you've been reading. I mean, because I'm like, I, I'm like, oh, you seem to know a lot about this. You don't have to answer mm -hmm. that. I, I, I'll never get around to reading them. I have too many books on myself. I'm trying to get to. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm being facetious, but. Um, yeah, and so back to characters and type. So off of that, I think that Norman from The Promised Neverland is an INFJ example too, if if someone in the audience watches anime, because um, I am so afraid of explaining my reasoning to a panel of really, really seasoned INFJs, <laughs> like intimidation. It's, it's okay, because I have no idea the anime you're talking about, so I can't, <laughs> I can't counter. I'll be, be like, yep, that sure checks. You'd be intimidated because I think we're all older than you. <laughs> I watch. 
How old is everyone? Uh, how old am I? 27. I'm 27. <laughs> when you get as old as I am, you stop counting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to bring them. Uh, are we are we all doing this? I'll say my age. You you all don't have to say your age. You can. You can. I can cut it out if you want me to cut it out. I mean, I'm <laughs> I am pulling the height. I'm 35. I'm what the grandpa. Like? I'm 44. Ah. Ah. Okay. A wise one. That's the good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> wise wise one of the group. I really thought that this panel would actually be with other INFJ guests that Joyce has had on, and I expected. I'm going to be the oldest, but um, I was expecting that too. <laughs> it just happened to be this way. <laughs> yeah, how old do I look? Um, 14. I'll kill you, Jonathan's not allowed to answer because it's, do do I have to answer this? You're putting me in a very unplay. Uh, somehow something feels wrong about me guessing someone else's age. I think you've. Too I think you've told me your age, and I can't remember. It's like twenties. I mean, listen, it, it, listen. I'm assuming you're in your twenties, in your early twenties. Yes. But... Yeah. Mm. Okay. I, I'm 25. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sorry, that was my morbid curiosity. Michael never actually told us his age. What's that? Did Michael actually tell us his age? 27. Yes. 27. Yes. Well, that was you. I thought you were joking. <laughs> no, no, this is true. I get that a lot, though. Uh, yeah. I, I also think because you've been on you've been on YouTube so long, like since I was yeah. started. Uh, you're my, I thought you were my senior, but <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I started when I started. Oh, when did I start doing it? I guess when I was like most of my twenties, I've I've had the YouTube mm. channel. So. Um, also, Joyce, I, 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 I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable with my not wanting to guess your age and everything. I, um, oh, no, so, it's really fine. Uh, okay, I, I did I completely like, misinterpret that? I'm 10 that? years okay. old. That is, I no, 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 you don't seem 10 years old. You didn't, I, 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 just didn't, I, I just didn't want to guess. Uh, never mind. You look like you're in your early 20s. You look lovely, Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> I will compliment you. I'm not okay. Never mind. Um, <laughs> let's talk about something else, okay? <laughs> back to more, you know, back to Hitler. Back to Hitler. Thank you, everyone. Oh no, you were about to explain all of the uh, the thing about anime, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. unless you were about to end the... Were you about to end? I was about to end, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll one day explain the thing about the anime. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Marco, well, you said you were going to bring up something. Did you bring that up? Oh, if shoot. I could just what was I going? Throw that in? What was I going to bring up? Um, <laughs> when did... do you? Does anyone remember when I said I was going to bring that up? Um, you brought it up near the start. You brought it yeah. up near the start. Yeah. I'm going to it for later. I think we should have intuited that you would forget. Oh, I to be perfectly honest, it's quite possible I didn't intend to bring it up later, and that was my tactful way of maybe they'll all forget also. But because I don't know how embedded that is, then I'm going to I need to to think up something that can be what I was. No, I shouldn't lie. That's too that's too much. What is it I was gonna bring up? Sorry, I don't want to take too long thinking of this. It's on the tip of my tongue. 
Oh, may this might this might not be quite it, but uh, but I think it's close enough. I think I was going to bring up Niels Bohr, um, who is my spirit animal. I've decided. <laughs> That's my dumb joke. Sorry. Um, Niels Bohr. Does anybody know Niels Bohr? Um, I am aware of scientist Niels Bohr, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he was INFJ because uh, I relate to him a lot in a lot of things. He was very interesting. I can't remember why I wanted to bring up Niels Bohr. Um, but I think it was because... Oh, I think I wanted to make some kind of a joke about... Um, Niels Bohr was like the only INFJ in a room full of INTPs and ENTPs because they were all like high level theoretical physicists. And then you had Bohr who Bohr got in there because he like through his intuition solved this one problem that they were all stuck on in, in the science. This is my way oversimplified version of it. But he just kind of came in and was like, well, this could be solved if we just simply don't follow this rule and then everything falls into place and they're like you're a genius how did you do this and he was genuinely a genius but then he gets invited to all the conferences and it's all of these ntps and they're reasoning like ntps and then you have Bohr, who's in the audience like who's this intuitive type and and i think heisenberg the way he described it he's like i was expecting to meet you know, this very rational person. And what I got was like this guru or something like he's like this mystical person and yet he's brilliant, but it is, it's just kind of hilarious to me. His, he apparently, I mean, he was serviceable with math, but he like, it wasn't his strong suit. He was much more of a philosopher and yet he was very valuable. Sorry, I'm ranting about Bohr. I'm sorry. Um, he was super valuable though, because he, he would think about these problems in a way that all of the others in the room just simply wouldn't. And he would ask questions that seemed very obvious. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite story is that apparently it happened multiple times where there would be a visiting professor and he would be in the audience and everyone would be following perfectly along with what the professor was explaining, except for Bohr. And Bohr would like, and then at the end of the presentation, he'd be like, could you go back to the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> and explain something that to everybody else in the room was super simple, right? And they're all like, who is this guy? Oh, wait, crap, it's Bohr. Okay, we can't kick him out of the meeting or call him stupid because he solved the problem that like saved us all from the from the ultraviolet catastrophe or whatever. And and so <laughs> he um and so Bohr would would start asking questions, but then the thing that would happen is as he would keep asking questions and as the the presenter would try to explain himself and then people would start joining in and soon enough everybody's arguing about these simple things and Bohr had taken over the presentation and by the end he would finally say oh I understand now and they would all realize oh he just demonstrated that what the presenter had been saying was totally wrong and Bohr now has a new conception which is right but Bohr's too polite to say that so Bohr is saying oh this is what you meant right and and Bohr would be the one who was right. Sorry, I just mm. took us away. I think that's what I meant to say. I don't know why I was going to bring that up. But. Yeah, that's very tactful of Bohr. <laughs> that's yeah. good on Bohr. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Jonathan, who is an actual historian, may have actually read more about Bohr than me and, and is too tactful to tell me, oh, that's not quite right. That's not what, <laughs> that's what happened. I'm sure you're not thinking that, Jonathan, but. I will let you believe I am thinking that. Okay. Whether or not I've read anything about him is oh, there's a mystery. <laughs> I'll just let that hang over you. Okay. 
I, I accept my fate. <laughs> I don't I know nothing about him. I know, I know his name. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fascinating fellow. You should learn mm. about him. He's a fascinating fellow. Yeah. Um, a genuinely great man, I think. He and his wife. A great man and woman. They were just like amazing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> nice to learn more. Nice to learn more about Gore. <laughs> this is a crash course on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Wonderful. Um, no, no, no. He's amazing. Um, and it does illustrate something very INFJ. The tendency towards tactfulness sometimes. Yeah. Even when you know the answer and you're like, oh. I'm still going to say this like I don't like you're not going to say it with the full fledged for, force of making the other person yes. feel bad. And you're yes. trying to you're trying to smooth it over and make it nice. Mm -hmm. Great. Nice. And so thank you so much, you all, for coming out and talking about the YouTuber life with me. You know, I felt a strong sense of resonance with your creative process and all of the people that you all brought up, too. Um, there was also, you know, our talks about the awareness that INFJs have and their ability to kind of be aware, it, almost like it's, it's an awareness of the patterns within the patterns. So it's like, oh, this is, a, it's the things that we play into. It's almost like this subtle awareness of the, the human psyche and how thoughts create actions that create thoughts that create actions. Uh, so it's nice to have that meta awareness that you all talked about too so thank you michael for coming out and he has this amazing fantastic book that you should go thank check you. out and you should throw your money at michael <laughs> <laughs> i will accept that through that avenue yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah your typology videos will definitely go down in history and everyone else is here as well yeah your type videos have been a really good way for a lot of people in the type community to understand the 16 types in your, you know, your, your profiles and your visited series. It's very in-depth and people really admire the amount of thoroughness and thoughtfulness you put into that. So it's, it's wonderful. Five out of five, if there was a Michelin star for descriptions, you would get it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jonathan, it's nice to be in the same certification class as you and Catherine Favre's classes. <laughs> you got it. It's, it's okay if I mispronounce her name every time because she calls me Grace all the time and I don't. <laughs> that's very, that's odd. Why does she call you Grace? She calls me Grace because I, I don't know what happens. Like if you're Joyce and you're Asian, people will call you Grace for whatever reason. Interesting. Not so just Catherine, mm. like random people all the time. And if you're What's... Grace and you're Asian, you get called Joyce all the time. Grace. I don't know. It's this weird paint, like brain thing. I don't, huh. I don't know why that mm. happens. So don't blame me. What's extra fascinating is I can sense a little part of me that understands why that is and is mm. like, call her Grace, call her Grace. No, I mean, I'm, joking. I, I'm joking partly about that, but there is like, I can, I, I don't know why, but I think you might be right. There might be some weird like brain connection thing. I'm not sure, but mm -hmm. anyway, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Michael gets it. Um, anyways, <laughs> so uh, it, it's nice to be in the same certification class as you, Jonathan, learning about the Enneagram and tri-type from the creator of tri-type together 
Yeah. And you're always there to quickly and swiftly correct me if I am on the wrong track. So you're a shepherd. You're the, the Gandalf of my Enneagram journey. So. We're, staying, we're staying together, but we've never actually been in a proper class together. Like you're just oh, we, we talk outside of class together. Yeah, we do talk outside of class. This was us. Yeah. If you're watching the old recordings, I'm always there anyway. Mm, yeah. Haunting everyone who ever watches it. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're there. The all knowing voice of Jonathan. <laughs> so you, all yeah. go, you all go away and I'll be there in the back of your minds. <laughs> <laughs> Not creepy at all. <laughs> Uh, yes, but it, it's nice to have your Enneagram 5 uh, tri-type. It's in your tri-type. Yes. Uh, that goes deeply into depth into things like Hitler. It was nice to see that during the panel. <laughs> you know everything about the topic. It's like, oh, yeah, that vibe's shown up. <laughs> so thanks for that. And Scott, it's nice to have you on the channel. You are able to create these really novel MBTI topics on the INFJ personality. So you... you reframe the INFJ personality in a way that people don't talk about and mm. because you offer your unique original take on the type and so you create a new body of knowledge with an INFJ theory you add to the INFJ mm. theory um, mm. so thanks for that yeah no it, it's just good to be a part of it part of the community <laughs> mm. yeah even if we're outside of the community but also I was just going to say uh, outside look again <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're almost like um we're jars with the label on the outside but we anyway that's a bad <laughs> that's a bad analogy but it's almost like we're the outside looking in the jar mm. um anyways thank you everyone for coming out and thank you everyone for watching i'll see you all in the next episode take care bye grace hey Thank you.